Good morning. Glad, uh, glad you guys are here this morning. Um, we're going to continue in this series that we started on August uh, the 24th called More, Every Heart's Desire. And, and over these weeks, we have been pursuing the person of Jesus with this overlying presence that if we would behold him, if we would look very, very closely at him, then we would see that all of the collective beauty that has ever been known, that has ever been experienced in our world, if we took all of that and we set it next to the person of Jesus, it would pale in comparison. And so we've been peeling back some of the layers of the person of Jesus to see what it is that creates this beauty and to see how who he is would fulfill the very deepest desires of our heart and how that would make a difference in our day-to-day lives. And so I have a question for you to ponder this morning, and this may seem like it's coming out of left, left field, but humor me. Consider this question. Is there someone in your life that you would consider has always been there for you? Is there someone in your life, if you just think about that for a second, kind of this gut reaction that over the expanse of your life has been somebody that has always been there for you? When I began to pray about preparing for the message this week, right out of the box, I sensed God posed that question to me. And I quickly responded from my gut, well, of course, that would have to be my mother. It would have to be my mother. And not just because she's been around for all 55 and a half years of my life, but it seems like at every turn in my life, the really good stuff in my life, even the really difficult stuff, that she's just always been there for me. Hey, Ma, if you watch this, I hope that that just makes your heart swell with joy. I do. Has the image of somebody maybe popped into your mind as you think about this expanse of your life? Do you have maybe a gut reaction of a person that's always been there for you? And I think a little crowd participation will help me out here. All the introverts in the room just broke into a cold sweat. But if you can think of a person that you would say has always been there for you, just raise your hand for a second. Just real quick, raise your hand. Keep them up. Alpha males, you don't lose a man card if you affirm that there's been someone in your life that's been there for you, okay? In fact, even the women in the crowd will think that in that moment of vulnerability, you're very attractive. So seriously, if you can think of someone that's always been there in your life, just, just raise your hand for a second. Okay, yeah, a lot of you, a lot of you. All right, thanks for playing. Well, as soon as I responded to God with my answer, I got this weird, uncomfortable feeling that I just got played by God, that I just got played by God. See, in that moment that I tagged my mother, I realized that she had not always been there for me. Ma, if you watch this, uh, I pray that that doesn't make your heart hurt. I I pray that, but as I got past my my gut reaction, the reality was that she hasn't always been there. As a matter of fact, during the time in my life when I needed the one who I would have said without a doubt had loved me the most and encouraged me the most and guided me and provided for me the most, during the time in my life that I needed her the most, she wasn't there. I'm so sorry to say that out loud, Ma. After all, when I was going through the throes of this painful, awful season that led to my marriage dissolving, when I would often find myself on the floor 
in the fetal position, sobbing and drooling, she was 1,035 miles away. I live here in Friendswood. She lives in St. Peters, Petersburg, Florida, 1,035 miles door to door. And, and while it's true that a number of, of times during that season, she just loaded up her car and she drove 1,035 miles to be here with me, to encourage me and to show me love and to give me guidance when I felt so abandoned and so rejected and afraid and hopeless, the plain reality was she couldn't always be there. Certainly not physically, that's just true. And I can say this with really high confidence that when she wasn't physically there, many, if not most, of her waking hours, I know I was on her mind. Emotionally, she was there for me more than anyone else. I know that even 1,035 miles apart, my pain and my fear and my loneliness, it bore, it bore heavy on her heart that in spirit, she was there with me. But here again, the truth is, just necessarily, there were times, whether she was sleeping or whether she was pouring out love and encouragement and guidance on people that she cared about in St. Petersburg, Florida, I wasn't always on her heart and her mind. I just, I couldn't be. It's just not possible. The simple, maybe painful truth is that she wasn't always there. And neither can your person you know, the one that you had in mind with that gut reaction when I asked the question, the one that you had in mind when you raised your hand, the plain truth is they aren't always present, either physically or emotionally or in spirit, and it's not their fault. They just, they can't be. Maybe some of you who didn't raise your hand here in the room, you've experienced that truth. Maybe some of you are living in that right now. The one that you thought would be there for you, well, they aren't. Or maybe you feel like there's never been that kind of person in your life. With all the love and the power and the wisdom and the provision that is out there in the world, what difference does it make if it isn't in your world? What, what difference does it make if it's not in your world when you need it the most, right? Right? And if we took all of those great people that we had in mind individually when we raised our hands and we mushed them all together, mushed is a technical term, we mushed them all together and that superhuman was our always there for us person, personally I think that's my mother, <laughs> I hope you're still watching, I'm crawling back, I'm crawling back, that superhuman person, they couldn't always be present with us. In all of the brief moments or the extended seasons of life when we really need them. And because we know human nature, even if they could always be Johnny on the spot and physically be there for us, which they can't, but even if they could, they wouldn't always know what was best for us. They wouldn't always know what to do or to say that we need the most to meet the deepest needs that we have. That's just the truth. And man, when I figured out that God had played me with that question, I got kind of bummed that even in, the, in, in my mother's very best superhuman efforts, that my mother wasn't always there for me. And then more sobering was my realization that in my own superhuman efforts, I won't. I can't be there always for the ones that I love the most. And we have spent now many weeks looking deeply into the person of Jesus 
And we have found him to be the more of our heart's desires in so many ways, more holy and more loving and more powerful and more wise and more grace-filled and more creative than any superhuman that we could ever mush together. But if Jesus is all of those things, and he is, he is, if we can't count on him to be present, to bring those things into our life, what difference can it, would it make? What difference would it make? If Jesus was like my mother, he would make a mean tray of sausage and peppers. But, but beyond that, if Jesus was finite like my mother, there would be times, just like I had experienced, when I would be curled up on the floor in the fetal position and sobbing and whimpering, I want my mommy. And he would be 1,035 miles away. And if, if Jesus was like the one that you imagined when you considered that person that was always there for you, there would be times where you couldn't count on him either. If, if Jesus was like our finite, always there for us person, what difference would it really make? And you probably know where this is going, right? You probably know where this is going. Thank God. Thank God there, there is another layer to the person of Jesus, this aspect of his beauty that guarantees that we can always count on him to be present with us. The one that brings all these great attributes that we've been talking about throughout this series, he brings all of them fully to bear in the relationships that he has with the people that call him Lord. Jesus is more present than any human being can ever be for us. In fact, Scripture says that he's not just more present than anyone else can be. He is always present. Scripture says he is always present. It describes him as being everywhere all the time. And not in some like deluded kind of way because he's stretched really thin because there's a lot of people on this planet but rather in all of the fullness that he is and all of the attention that he can give, every layer of the person that he is that we've talked about, and so much more, he brings that fully present everywhere, all the time. It says this in Psalm 139, in verses 7 through 12. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the winds of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. There is nowhere that we can be that he isn't. It says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus makes this promise to his follow, followers, even as he's preparing to ascend into heaven, where maybe they would be tempted to think that he's just left them behind. He says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's good news. That's really good news. Not only is Jesus the more love and power and wisdom and grace that we long for, but he's the more present that we long for too. Oh, but wait, there's a problem. If that's true, why does it seem like he's missing in action so often? Well, there is a problem, but it's not with Jesus. 
And I love how God, he anticipates in his word every excuse, every deflection of personal responsibility that we might as humans ever dream up to come up with rationalizing living apart from him. There's this verse in Genesis chapter 28, verse 16, and it shouts out what the problem is. And it's not Jesus' problem, it's our problem. It says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Jacob, who uttered these profound words, he placed the problem of missing the presence of God squarely on himself. He acknowledged that the Lord was present with him, but the problem was Jacob's lack of awareness of that truth. And the reality for us so often is that we're going about our lives completely unaware that everywhere we go and everywhere we are, the Lord is in that place. The Lord is in that place. And that is a profound and absolute truth. According to God's own words in the Bible about himself, And when we can keep ourselves in this palpable awareness of that truth, then this veil that we've placed over our own eyes that keeps us from seeing Jesus and then experiencing his presence and all that comes with that, that veil just gets taken away if we can keep ourselves in that awareness. And then we have these open eyes to realize that this one who is the perfect expression of love and power and righteousness and wisdom and grace, that he's right here with us because he's the perfect expression of being present with us. We just, all we have to do, I know it sounds way too simple, but all we have to do is just turn our attention to him. And friends, if we would do that, this would make all the difference in the world in our lives. It says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Look, this is Jesus talking, by the way. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Did you, did you catch that? Like, Jesus isn't just standing on the door knocking. He said, I'm standing at the door knocking, and if you hear my voice and open the door, so the door's still shut, and he's not only knocking, like he is calling your name. He's calling your name. And here's the bottom line. When the door to your heart is opened, he comes in. There's no strings attached. He just comes in. And this relationship is formed that not only lasts forever in heaven, but it opens up the ability for us to experience all of those great layers of Jesus' person, including his presence, like in the here and now. Not just for then, but in the here and now. And though I I opened the door to my heart and I entered into that relationship with Jesus back, back in 1998, my awareness of him being present with me it gets veiled sometimes. It, it, it just does. It's just true for me. What about you? But I, I long to live in this always awareness of his presence. And I don't just long for that for me. See, I have these grandchildren. I have five grandchildren. I have, I have five grandchildren. Ava, Ava who um, will come in uh, the turn, at the turn of the year, she's, she's number five. And I can't help but look at the current events of this world, and it scares the daylights out of me for them. It seems like more than any other time in my life, the world, it seems so fragile. 
our nation, it seems so fragile. There's terrorism and there's a lack of integrity and moral values in our leadership and there's racial disunity and there's a terrible hurricane that's ravaged Haiti and the southeast coast of our country. Man, it's crazy out there. And when I peek my head out of my little protective bubble that so often I just try and live within, it sucks the air out of me. Thinking about this world that my kids, and more importantly, this world that my grandkids need to grow up in. And I find myself more than ever asking God, even now, to give them hope and to give them courage that they don't even know they need yet to navigate the days of their lives. I mean, I am praying, Jesus, would you compel them soon to believe in you? Make them keenly aware of your presence with them so that they can receive the hope and the courage that they're going to need to live these, these lives. And of course, even as I beg that for them, for that courage and that hope for them, I realize that I desperately need that too. And I dare say you do too, because I'm painfully aware that that kind of courage and hope that I need, it doesn't innately exist in me. It doesn't innately exist in you either. We've all faced some personal life circumstances that generate fear and hopelessness. Maybe you or someone that you care about is, pressing some, is facing some pressing health issue or a, maybe a difficult decision or a circumstance around relationships or work or finance. And your knees, maybe their knees, they're shaking a little. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're shaking a lot. And there isn't an adequate supply of courage and hope that exists in them or in your very best intentioned, always going to be there for you person to help you get through. There's just not. And then to pile on to the personal, personal circum, circumstances, all this insanity in our world, and then the hostility in the world against our faith in Jesus. Wow. I mean, I don't need just a dose of courage and hope, I need like this constant IV drip just vein, mainlined into my veins. Surely there's got to be this source of courage and hope outside of me because I ain't got it. And, and it crushes me to know that my kids ain't got it and my grandkids ain't got it. And, and you, guys, you guys ain't got that either. But, but listen to this. This is beautiful. God's talking to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the constant drip of courage that I need. It, it comes from this constant awareness of Jesus being present in my life with me because he is. God, God promised that as I turned my life over to him in 1998, that he would be there. He would be present with me. He would bring everything that he has fully to bear into my life. And he has this source of courage that I desperately need. And when I'm aware of his presence in my life, I can appropriate that courage. And then when we live in this continual awareness that Jesus is present with us, we can live a life that's characterized by hope. I'll be honest, in those frequent moments that I found myself on the floor in the fetal position back in 1997 and 1998, I felt like all hope for my life was lost. Even when my superhuman mother drove 1,035 miles 
to be there with me, I felt like all hope was, was lost. And, and I, that may sound overly dramatic to you guys, but I don't care. I mean, it was my, it was my story. I was in it. That's what it felt like to me. And, and I know there are many of you guys in the room today that may be living in circumstances like that. You may not be in the fetal position, but you're experiencing pain and you're experiencing loss and uncertainty. And you know that there's this source of hope. You need to know that there's this source of hope that's beyond you because you're plumb out of it right now. That's just the way it is. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, he expressed a prayer that remains for us today. He wrote, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the emphasis that we added in that displayed verse? Friends, what activates the beyond yourself source of hope that we all need is trust. It's trust in Jesus. Excuse me, I need to do that or I'll squeak. Um, here, and here's what's so cool. In that passage, the word, the gr original Greek word that we translate trust, it's the very same Greek word that we translate believe in John chapter 3, verse 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son so that all who believe, all who trust in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. That word simply means to have faith in Jesus. It means to place your life under his authority and into his active leadership. So it's, when it says that God is the source of hope because we trust in him, it's, he's the source of hope because we believe in him, because we've placed our hope and our faith in him. And when, we, when he does that, he gives us this hope because he's present with us. He comes into our life in this very different way. God is everywhere all of the time, no matter what somebody believes in him. But when they place their trust in him, he enters into this personal relationship where his presence is so real in their life that everything that he comes and brings to offer becomes available for them. He redirects our perspective on life from the now from the now, this physical life, to this forever perspective of eternal life. And that is so key for us. That is so key for us to realize this hope. I saw Francis Chan, who's a, who's a Christian pastor and an, author, and an author. He used this illustration that I'm going to kind of steal. And the teaching application for the illustration, it was, it was different than what I'm teaching today. But the truth behind the rope is the same. It's, it's true. And so he, he walked out on stage, and he obviously, he, he, I have a rope here, and I need you to imagine something. I need you to imagine that my rope, it, it goes on forever. Like I have an a, a, a end here, there's a start here, but I need you to imagine the other end, it, it goes on forever. It, it's attached to the stage, so I didn't just pull it over here, but I need you to imagine this rope, it goes on forever. And, and on the end, of this, at the beginning of this rope, there's this red tape at the beginning of this rope. And this red tape, this represents your now life. This represents your physical life from the first breath that you took on this earth until the very last one that you'll take on this earth. That, this represents your physical now life. 
And then the, the whole rest of the rope, the whole rest of the rope going out until all of eternity, that represents this eternal life that God says is planted in the heart of every person in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's the whole rest of your life. And here's the deal. We tend to just kind of live stuck in the red tape. I mean, that's what just happens to us. We just have this worldly, now physical perspective on our lives. And we just get stuck in this red tape. And sometimes being in that red tape is pretty good. But we're, we're leaning into just the things that the world is offering us. The things that we think the world is providing in terms of our heart desire. And, and, and we're in there. And we may even believe and know about the truth of eternity. And, and even of how... Uh, the eternal life we get when we have Jesus is heaven forever. And we just te- seem to think, yep, Jesus present with me out there in heaven. And we never consider the fact that he's right here present right now in the red tape of our lives. And I don't know where the red tape of your life finds you right now. It may be like in a really, really good place. Maybe you're in that bubble where you think life's, life's pretty good right now. I, I don't really need him that much right now. And, and if you're in that place, the fact of the matter is your awareness of his being present with you, it's going to be veiled at some level. And, and, and some of you guys, you're in really tough, difficult circumstances. And you're, just, you're living in the red, red tape, and it's really, really hard. And you don't know how you're ever going to extricate yourself from the red tape. And and if you don't know Jesus and you don't know this truth about eternal life with him, you're thinking, is this all that there is? There's got to be another place that I'd rather be than here right now. It just just seems to be the truth. Some of you have yet to open up the door to your heart and to the fullness of the layers of Jesus' person that are just waiting for you to open the door. And Man, if that's you, he's calling your name right now. He's, he's standing at the door. If you've never put your, your faith in him, he is standing at the door to your heart right now. And he's not just knocking. He's banging on the door and he's calling out your name right now. And he's inviting you to experience the fullness of the presence of his life right now right in the red tape, where, where else would you rather be? And you can open that door open so simply yet so profoundly with this simple, authentic prayer that says, Jesus, would you forgive my sins? Would you forgive the sins of my life? He already did. He did that on the cross when he died on it for you. Would you, this is the simple prayer. Jesus, would you forgive my sins? And then would you take active leadership of my life? That's, that, e- even in this moment, if you're stuck in the red tape and you've never been there, that could be your moment right now. You could simply pray that and symbolically, if you pray that simple prayer in an authentic way from your heart, you fling the door wide open. And this eternal relationship with Jesus, he just steps right in into your right now, and he becomes that always there for you perfect person in all of his perfection. Oh, man, I pray that there would be even one 
person in this room this morning that would take that bold step into the presence of Jesus. Not only do you get the whole rest of the rope, but he steps right into the red tape of your life right now. And I know that for many in the room here today, you have flung the door open to Jesus in your past. You would say, I am a follower of him. And some of you are living vibrantly out of that red tape in your life with this keen awareness of his presence with you. Way to go. Way to go. Keep it up. But in truth, for many believers in this room, that that fire that was once in your belly, that was once burning bright in your soul, it's kind of become this flicker inside of you. You know what I find interesting about followers of Jesus who in a moment of humility and transparency would actually say, geez, I'm really not experiencing Jesus' presence right now or, or not like I know that, that I should or even that I want to. So often it's because life is just going pretty good right now and you're just stuck in that little bubble of bliss and, and this will sound harsh, sorry, not really. Okay, your own, your own selfishness is creating the problem because you don't really need anything out of the relationship with him right now. You're feeling kind of pretty loved and you're seeing a lot of beauty out there and, and everything is pretty good right now and you don't really need to know that he's there. And so you just kind of like stick him in the corner. Really what you do is you just put the veil over your head because he hasn't gone anywhere. I know that's true for a lot of you believers in the room today. But to be sure, there are many followers of Jesus in here, too, that aren't just kind of numb to his presence, or they've kind of not just said, you know, I'm good right now, I'll put you on the shelf. But you're running hard away from him. Like, you know he's there, and you're running hard away from him. You have traded the more of Jesus that you were created to have for the more of the things that the world entices you with. And in whatever the case, in those last two groups of believers, whatever the case, you're just flat missing out. But here's the deal. If in the moment, if you have just this tiny sense that you need to experience more of Jesus being with you, that you may even want Jesus to be more present with you, then all you have to do is ask him. He is so good. He's like right there. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I just want a little bit more of you, a little bit more of your presence in my life. And he'll begin to lead you to that place. He'll lead you to discard or to reorder those things in life, the trouble and the sin and the busyness and even the prosperity, such that you'll have the more of him that your heart was created to desire. He'll do that. Here's the bottom line. He is present with us. And if you don't sense his presence or you just know there's more for you to experience, the problem isn't him. The problem's you. And the path towards just increasing this awareness of his presence is simply about the time and the attention that you're willing to put into the relationship. It's, it's kind of that simple, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. And I just want to implore you to give him more of you. Give him more of you so that you could experience more of him. I have two quick challenges to leave you with as I close that can help you grow in this awareness of Jesus being present with you. And they're really simple. All of you guys can do this this week. The first is 
Read and reflect on Psalm 139 three times. Read and reflect on, spend some time in Psalm 139 three times. It's only 24 verses. Some of you, when you get to the last two, you're going to get slapped. But that's okay. Seriously, read three times and ask, it, maybe spend five or ten minutes every, when you read it and just ask God three questions. What does he want you to know? God, what do you want me to know? God, what do you want me to feel about what you want me to know? And then, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to feel? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? And then I would strongly encourage you guys to, if you can, to like journal that reflection time. Journal that. Even you alpha males, like write that down in a notebook or something. And then the second thing, I think the forecast for this week is supposed to be spectacular. And so here's the second challenge for you this week. Just find an hour. Find an hour and go and sit at the park or at the beach or at a Starbucks or in your backyard, but someplace where you can just extricate yourself from the normal noise of life, which means you've got to put your cell phone someplace other than in your hand. But just an hour and just sit with him out there in the, in the stillness and just invite him in that stillness and in that creation to make his presence known to you. Two simple things. We can all do these things, but I think they'll bear much fruit. I'm going to pray, and as I do, the band is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song, a final song, and, and, and then we'll have some announcements. But I've been praying all week that you would allow the lyrics of this song to invade you to the core of who you are, such that you find yourself singing them back to God as this authentic cry of your heart. Father in heaven, um, thank you. Thank you so much for all of who Jesus is, for all that he brings to us. It is my deepest prayer, Father, that each one of us in this room, no matter where we are in the journey, but maybe especially, Father, for those that haven't yet begun the journey with Jesus, that we would, that we would open the door wide to our hearts, that we would invite you to be the active leader in our lives. Because as we do that, Father, we know that your presence that's already with us would become so manifest in our lives that we would experience these amazing, wonderful things that represent who you are. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, that our, our hope and our courage and our excitement about being alive would, would begin to soar with you. In Jesus' name, amen.